Dr. Daniel Amen wrote a book. It's called Magnificent Mind at Any Age. In this book, he writes a fascinating story how he and his seven-year-old child once went to an amusement park. And in this amusement park, there was a show. Um, the show was Fat Freddy the Penguin, the Emperor Penguin. You know, his son, Jim, said, I gotta go see Fat Freddy, Daddy. I gotta go see Fat Freddy. Okay, we'll go see Fat Freddy. I go with my son, he says, we go to this unbelievable stadium, and there's this penguin. And the penguin is standing on the diving board, it's jumping, it's doing all kinds of tricks. It rolls around, it jumps in the water, it comes out, jumps through some fire hoops. It does all kinds of tricks at the command of the trainer. And at the end of the act, the trainer drops something into the pool and he sends Fat Freddy just to get it and Fat Freddy just jumps in and immediately brings it up. And the doctor, Daniel, thinks to himself, I don't believe this. I got my seven-year-old. Every time I ask him something, he's never doing it. And then he gives me a 20-minute argument and at the end of the argument, he's still not doing it. So I decide I'm going to walk over to the trainer and maybe get some advice. He walks over to the trainer and he says, Excuse me, but how did you train this penguin to do everything that you tell him to do? So the trainer looks at me, looks at my seven-year-old, and realizes what my question is here. And she says... Every time Fat Freddy did the right thing, I gave him a hug and a fish. Every time he did the right thing, I gave him a hug and a fish. I always showed support for what he did right. I almost never engaged for anything that he didn't do. And I'm thinking to myself, the doctor says, what am I doing? I'm never paying attention to anything that my kid does that's right. I'm always engaging with him when he does wrong. So what am I training him to be? Some form of a monster that's ultimately going to be doing everything wrong because that's all I'm paying attention to. So, I learned my lesson that day, he writes, and from that day, I bought these penguins everywhere I go. I have these little penguins that I put on my shelves to remind me of what it is that I need to be doing. Why am I telling you this story? You have five kids sitting around quietly. Three kids sitting around quietly. Kids sitting in a library quietly. Nobody's paying attention. As soon as one kid gives the next, next one a zets or gives him, grabs the toy, all attention goes to that child who has just done some form of trouble. So what are we training the child 
to do. We're training the child to know that if you want your dads, your teachers, your moms, your librarians' attention, you want the adult attention, you need to do trouble. And we, as adults, I would say we're almost addicted to trouble. You know, on Shabbos afternoon, a father and a mother will say, the kids are playing. Let's go get some sleep. They're not fighting yet. But guess what? If you start thinking a little differently, which is counterintuitive, and it's a little different, you will start to understand, and this is what we're going to be talking about to some extent, is that you need to energize what's working. You need to energize when a child is successful in what they're doing. You need to be noticing what it is that they're doing when they're doing it that's right. So if a group of children are sitting quietly and doing their homework, you say, Maishala, I see that you've been working for the last 20 minutes, concentrating on working on your stuff. That's it. Mendele, you davened and you said every word. Mushka, you just benched and I heard every single word. So what you're doing is, you're noticing what it is that they're doing and they feel like they have been successful. They didn't have to, to jump through hoops to do what it is that they're doing. We're talking about noticing the simplest of things in a child's activity every day. Just for who they are to notice. And when they get that noticing, that's good food. Junk food is the noticing for trouble. So they need food. The question is, what are they going to get? Are they going to get junk food for doing trouble, which is, tastes good, you know, and they keep doing it because that's what they want and they know how to do it because they've been trained since childhood? Or will you change your ways and start thinking about talking and noticing to your, your children when they're doing well? So there's... Two levels here. Number one is that you notice your child just being who they are. A teacher will say, Mushka, you're holding your hand up. And you're waiting for me to answer. That's it. No great job, no fantastic, none of that. Because great job to a child says, yeah, give me a break. It's not a great job. If you want to say great job, by the way, you can say, I noticed that you cleaned up and that you, you then uh, put away all the garbage and then that you, moved, you cleaned up your room and it was very difficult. Great job. That's fine. But just to say to a child, great job, doesn't work. And we will explain it as we go on. Why it doesn't work. So... Children, and especially intense children, intense is what I'm calling children who are hyperactive and are pushing the envelope in many directions, they want 
you're engaging them. They want your attention. They need that food. And if you give them the food of engaging them, of the good food, instead of the trouble food, they will stop doing the trouble. So, the first level is just noticing what they're doing without labeling it in any way. The next level is, if you say, Mandala, I saw your davening, and I saw you looking into the sitter. That looked like a lot of kavana. Which means, you're labeling after you're telling him what he's doing, and then you're saying what it looked like. And he can come to a conclusion that says, yeah, I'm a kid that knows how to daven with kavana, with intent, with intention. Or you say to your daughter, you just benched and I heard every word. That is like a person who has Yerushalayim. So she has a story about herself that says, I could be a Yerat Shamayim. You start noticing the things that are important to you as a firm Jew, what it is that you want your child to be growing up as. You use the words to construct the story of success in their ability to be davners, learners, Yerat Shamayim. And you keep noticing what it is that they're doing which fits that. Just to call a child Dubista Yerushamayim, you're a Yerushamayim, or you're a great kid, that backfires. Because what happens is that children think to themselves, wait a minute, I'm a Yerushamayim? Yesterday I did something wrong that I know of. Not only that, you, my father, also knows that I did something wrong. So, if I know I did something wrong, and you know I did something wrong, and you're calling me a Yerushalayim, eh, give me a break. However, if you describe what they're doing, and they come to that conclusion of what it is that they are, and what it is that they've done, then they say, yeah, that which I did looked like I am a Yerushalayim. I am a Davner. I am a learner. I do care about others when I share my toy with my siblings. Or when I share, when I stand in line, I allow another child to walk by and stand in front of me. I, I do have midas So a child then starts building a story about who they are with words that are powerful, that are constructed, that say that I can be a Yerushalayim. I can be a Davner, and I can be successful as a Jew. These can also be expanded to, Maishi, you're sitting there for two hours and you're doing homework. That takes a lot of concentration. Yeah? So the way it works is the following. When you ask a child, you know, Maishi, can you help me clean up over here? And he says, sure, ta. And he cleans and he moves things, then suddenly he picks up a heavy box and he moves it. So if you say, Moishi, that's a heavy box, you're strong. I'll say, no, I'm not. Yankee's stronger than me. But if you say, Moishi, that's a heavy box 
and you just moved it. He'll say, yep, and I'm strong. So, if you praise in a child his effort and his accomplishment, then a child will come to the conclusion about who he is, which will not backfire. Because I talk to many parents and they tell me, oh, I'm very positive, very positive. And most of us maybe have a lot of positive things that we tell our children, but when we say it in a way that doesn't have the legs behind the words that we're saying, that we call our children great, we call our children sadical, we call our children fantastic, we call our children smart, without describing to the child why it is that we came to that conclusion, it is almost minimized and to the point where they say we're not really interested in hearing it. So, in the way we relate to our children, we have to look at what's working in their lives. We have to concentrate our effort to see what's working and energize that. Completely focusing with a laser beam focus on what's working so that they feel energized by that and the, the stuff that's not working, whether it be Yiddishkeit or functionality, will almost dissipate. I just want to tell you a story that many of you heard, but maybe with just taking a little bit out of it that's different. Um, <clears throat> there's a famous story of the Balatanya, the Alta Rebbe, how he came to a particular town raising money for um, saving the um, children from the Kantonist and from the Russian Tsarist government army. They would take children for 25 years and keep them there. And this was a devastating blow to any Jewish kid that would be taken because they would be forgotten. Their Judaism would be totally forgotten. So the Alter Rebbe would raise money to sort of redeem some of these kids. kids. Pidyan Nafoshes. So he came to this particular town and he meets this rabbi and he says, I need to raise some money for that. He says, our town is very poor, we don't have anything. So he said, well, what about this Yid that's living outside of your town? I saw a mezuzah on that palace, a beautiful big palace. He says, yeah, but I tell you the truth, Rebbe, he doesn't give anybody anything. He has a rusty cupboard, a rusty penny, which he's been trying to give to different people who come to raise money, and everybody almost throws it back in his face. The Alter Rebbe says, that's the man I want to go to. Rebbe, it's a waste of time. We might as well go to a bunch of different people and raise a couple of rubles. The Alter Rebbe says, you come along with me and I don't want you to say a word. You sit beside me and you listen. They walk to the beautiful big mansion. They knock on the door and Ramosha the miser opens the door. He says, please come in, sit down. And they sit down in this beautiful, gorgeous library with, with mahogany and, and unbelievable comfort. And Alter Rebbe starts telling a story of that he needs 10,000 rubles for redeeming some of these children that are going to be taken to the Tsarist government, the Tsarist army. 
The man listens intently and says, I understand. I feel for you. And he says, please wait. He leaves the room, comes back, and sure enough, the rusty kopek is in his hand. And the rabbi is getting nervous. But the Alter Rebbe takes the kopek from his hand and puts it in his hand and he says, thank you so much. We really appreciate this. You are helping us and you're doing a mitzvah. And I thank you. Gets up, tells the rabbi beside him to please walk along with him. They start walking towards the door. They open the door. They start walking out the pathway in front of the palace. And the man says, wait, 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 come back. I want to talk to you again. The Rebbe turns around, comes back in, sits down. The man says, please, tell me again. What is it that you need it for? I want to know a little bit more details. He tells him again all the details that he'd missed out before of how much this is needed and that he needs 10,000 rubles. The Alter Rebbe finishes the story and the man walks out, comes back and gives the Alter Rebbe 100 rubles. The rabbi doesn't believe it. It's still not the 10,000, but it's 100 rubles. This man has never given anything more than that kapek that he tried giving. The Alter Rebbe takes the 100 rubles, thanks him profusely, gets up, starts walking towards the door, walks out the door, and walking down the pathway, and the man is standing by the doorway, and he says, please, I changed my mind, come back. So the rabbi says to the Alter Rebbe, he changed his mind, he wants his money back. They come in. He sits down again. He says, please, tell me again. Dr. Rebbe again explains the difficulty and how important this is and what happens to these children when they spend 25 years in the Tsarist army. The man walks out, comes back with a thousand rubles. Dr. Rebbe thanks him profusely, starts walking out. The man br- brings him back in, gives him 5,000. Ultimately, he gives him 10,000 rubles. Great story. The question is, what does it take to concentrate on that one kopek, that one rusty kopek when there are 999 kopeks, or rather rubles, that are not being given? What does it take for us as parents and as teachers to concentrate on the one little thing that's working in our children's lives? That if we concentrate... And if we look closely, every one of our children has many things that are going well in their lives that we are minimizing or that we are not paying attention to. If we laser beam our language and our noticing of our children to what it is that's working, even the smallest of things, and we, what I would call it, we thicken that. We make that more visible for them, for us, so that they can... Hold on to that rather than what's not working. When a little boy is standing in Davning Shman Esrei and he's looking all over the place, but for two seconds he looks into the Siddur and he says two words. Usually the father says, Is this the way you daven Mincha? But if the father would say, I heard those two words, 
That was said well. I heard it clearly. Guess what? Maybe next time he'll say more. So again, we need to be focusing, laser beaming on what's working in our children's lives so that we create stories for them that are successful in who they are as Jews, as Chassidim, as Menschen, so that they can be who we think they need to be. And we, they won't be walking away from what it is that we value. So again, if there's any comments that you want to make, any questions that you have, under the video there are places to do that. We will try to answer all the questions. Have a great evening.